Martextinct, episode 17, with David Mim. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martextinct, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by a man who's written and spoken extensively about how small businesses can improve their presence in local search engines. He served as VP of Product Strategy for Thrive Hive, Director of Local Strategy for Moz, and was the co-founder of GetListed.org. He's now the founder of Tidings, an app that automatically builds your email newsletter from social content, bookmark links, and RSS feeds. Welcome to MarTechStacked, David Mim. No, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation, David. Uh, looking forward to speaking with with you and your your listeners. Sounds great. Okay, well, uh, great to have you on. Um, you can of course find David over at tidings.com. So, um, David, if you can possibly explain just to begin with, um, in I guess a little bit more detail, what Tidings does and how you use marketing technology to make it better. Sure. So, uh, Tidings actually is a piece of marketing technology. Uh, so we, um, it sort of. Uh, started out of my own need for a product in uh, about 2006 or so. Uh, I had started a newsletter uh, for the first time, which, you know, shame on me for taking 10 years to start a newsletter, despite being a, a digital marketer all that time. Um, but, uh, you know, I was I was very frustrated by the time that it took uh, to build a very simple uh, newsletter in, in MailChimp, which I think is a great piece of technology and we'll, we'll talk about later. But, um, it was just taking, you know, it was taking like two hours a week for me to send out my, my newsletter, which was just a few links with my, you know, assembled thoughts. And, uh, so I thought, well, you know, there's gotta be a better, faster way to do this. And so, uh, decided to start tidings and, um, that's still our core product is, is, uh, basically, a, as you described it in the opener, we'll pull in any social content that you've shared, um, since your last newsletter, last newsletter went out. Um, you can augment that with bookmark links or RSS feeds in a very easy drag and drop, uh, mechanism and then send directly uh, using the email service provider of your choice uh, to whatever uh, list or segment uh, you choose. So that's that's the idea. Okay, sounds good. You mentioned MailChimp there. I wonder if that was a little bit of a um, tease as to what your one of your <laughs> selections was likely to be. But um, I'll tell you what, I remember using MailChimp a few years ago, and um, they certainly had a tool in there at the time where you could import an RSS feed or, or add an RSS feed and automatically generate newsletters from that. I'm not sure if that's still in within MailChimp. As far as I know, it's still there. Uh, so I actually tried that uh, with my previous you know, setup, personal setup in 2016, and uh, there's very little uh, customization you can do. So it, it truly is a, you know, hook up the feed and send it out automatically, uh, which doesn't really work for, for me. Cause you know, I like to say why I'm, why I think this article is important or what people should be paying attention to. So you don't really build, I don't think the same level of, of, um, you know, kind of expertise and, and, uh, leadership with, with your, with your readers and subscribers. Um, but I think, you know, as I said, I think MailChimp is a, is a great product and happy to, 
uh, promote them as as much as I am tidings, to be honest. Okay, great stuff. Um, it's funny, actually, funny talking about RSS feeds because I'm not sure how many marketers nowadays would even know what an RSS feed is or be able to find an RSS feed because it seemed like 10 plus years ago, um, RSS was probably a more common technology. Would you, would you agree with that? Totally agree. Um, you know, I think um, Google's decision to, to kill off, uh, you know, its feed reader back in around that time, I don't know exactly how long ago it was, but I think that that probably, uh, you know, had a big impact on how, how many people were using uh, a reader to our RSS feeds to consume content. Um, you know, there are still certainly some, some great uh, readers out there, including Feedly, uh, which I uh, use on occasion. Um, not one of my favorite three pieces of technology, <laughs> marketing technology, but but a great one nonetheless. Um, but I, you know, and I also think that uh, the the rise of, especially in our industry, Twitter uh, has probably changed the way people consume content as well, where they follow certain sources for information uh, in a given category or about a given topic, and that's really you know where they're. Uh, where they're pulling most of their content from. Okay, okay, great stuff. Yeah, because um, I, I remember back in, it must have been about 2005, 2006, um, really getting heavily into uh, internet marketing, it was called uh, at the time as opposed to digital marketing, um, check, <laughs> checking out big websites to see how they were doing. And I remember the BBC website, which is a big, big website in the UK and, and probably globally as well. And um, they had RSS feeds and little RSS icons as, as part of their site. Yep. And they even had um, yeah. a, a little page saying, what is RSS? And you clicked that and um, it had a good explanation of what um, that is. But perhaps I'm getting sidetracked a, a little bit here. So, so you mentioned a couple of tools already so let's start off with number three and uh, so what are your top three tools in your current martech stack sure. and why sure so i will give you my top three tools uh that i recommend for small business owners um as somebody who's I, i've basically spent my career uh helping small businesses uh everything from get off the ground online uh build their first website to you know optimize their million plus SKU e-commerce website. Uh, that was a little bit larger business than a small business, but um, you get the idea. I kind of ha have run the spectrum of, in terms of the size of businesses that I work okay, with. Sounds good. And I think, especially as I look at what has happened, um, you know, both with, with personal behavior during COVID as well as digital behavior on the part of, of customers during COVID, um, I kind of think that they're, I, I'm sort of doubling down on my, my recommendation for the three most essential pieces of, of MarTech for small businesses. Uh, and those would be Google My Business, Shopify, and MailChimp. If I was to push you to, um, um, I guess, share them in a certain order, um, what tool yeah. would be number three, starting off with that one? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, number three, I would probably say MailChimp, uh, to be honest. MailChimp. Um, okay. So you you, yeah. you, you mentioned yeah. it already. Why do you, MailChimp have obviously been around for a while now, not not maybe as long as something like Aweber, but um, for, for a reasonable amount of time. So what makes you choose Awe um, Aweber, uh, MailChimp <laughs> instead of ConvertKit or, or, or some other um, sure. software? So funny enough, uh, yeah, I, in particular, in particular, uh, in comparison to Aweber uh, and other tool, you know, I don't want to bash Aweber. It's a perfectly good solution if you're if you're already using it. But I think Mailchimp um, integrates much more much more widely with uh, various other tools from around the web. So you know, regardless of the content management system that you're using for your website, uh, you can probably connect 
you know, the sign up form where you're trying to collect emails to your MailChimp audience list. Um, you can probably integrate your MailChimp reporting with whatever kind of CRM suite uh, that you're using. The, the, the MailChimp API, uh, for those of you who are advanced enough to, to know what an API is listening in, it's basically the way two pieces of software talk to each other. Um, MailChimp has, I think, the best API, uh, the sort of widest uh, Rosetta Stone, I guess, uh, in terms of being able to communicate with, with multiple other pieces of software. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, you know, for more advanced marketers, that's the reason I recommend it. And for slightly less advanced marketers, but marketers that still want to do as much as possible with MailChimp if they're using MailChimp, does that API functionality extend into Zapier, where you can choose right, lots, of, exactly. lots of different um, things for MailChimp to do as a result of um, yeah, it hooking up with something else? Yeah, so that's a perfect example, right? So I think if, and I haven't done this recently, but if you go into Zapier and you compare the number of actions and triggers that the MailChimp integration offers versus, you know, some of these other uh, email service providers, I, I am guessing that you'll see MailChimp is, you know, at the top of the list in terms of the number of things that you can configure in Zapier. And that's that sort of speaks to my point about how good at integrating it is with with multiple other pieces of, of MarTech software. Okay, great stuff. Okay. Um, so you mentioned Shopify and you also mentioned Google My Business, but which of those is number two? <laughs> Uh, I would probably say Shopify is number two. Um, only it's this is it's hard it's hard for me. They're sort of one A one B. But if you force me to choose, I would say Shopify is number two. Uh, and the reason is that uh, in a little bit of a backwards way, Google My Business has released so much functionality in the last two or three years that you can almost get away with not having a website, uh, which I would not advise any business to do. But there's just so much that you can do with Google My Business. I would say Shopify is kind of the next thing um, to focus on. And, and Shopify, in my experience, is really great. I've used it to set up uh, a handful of, of e-commerce websites for small businesses in my hometown of Portland, Oregon, um, since the COVID pandemic started. Um, and I just find it to be, first of all, as a, as a longtime customer of businesses using Shopify, uh, I think it has one of the best checkout experiences and user experiences uh, for your customers. So I think it's a great way uh, for you as a business to capture, uh, to, to convert basically the, the most browsers into customers and make sure that they actually follow through uh, on checking out, which I think is a, is a huge part of, of what you should look for in choosing a, an e-commerce uh, content management system. Um, it's also very affordable. They, you know, they have packages, you know, somewhere in the 20 to $30 range per month. Uh, which I think is really important. Uh, I think they're, they've also have, have had a number of big COVID promotions where uh, if you just want to get started with e-commerce, you know, because of a lot of retail not happening anymore, um, they're, they're trying to onboard as many people into their system as possible. Um, it's relatively easy, I think, to do SEO using Shopify. If you've got a smallish store, like, you know, a couple hundred SKUs, uh, I don't think it scales really well into the sort of, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of SKU range. But um, I think for small sites, it's it's really great. And as with MailChimp, it, it integrates with a lot of other uh, systems, including importantly, uh, a big couple of big integrations they just announced. One of them being, uh, you can now create a Google shopping feed for free from within your Shopify dashboard. Uh, and Google shopping is, is you know, becoming a, a fairly large search engine in and of itself. Uh, as well as a big couple of big distribution deals here in the United States anyway, 
uh, one with walmart.com. So now Shopify merchants can opt in to a presence on walmart.com, uh, as well as the shop uh, app ecosystem, which is sort of its um, Trojan horse almost uh, competitor to Amazon, mm-hmm. where they're aggregating all of these small merchants who are on Shopify into uh, their own marketplace, which I think is a really smart idea. So, uh, so I think Shopify is, is, is really a great option for cost for uh, all these additional distribution channels uh, and the ability to, to do some very basic but important SEO uh, techniques to make sure that, that your website shows up in Google for your products that you want to sell. Okay, great. Um, when you mentioned um, uh, linking up uh, with Walmart, um, my immediate uh, thought was competitor to, to Amazon, which is um, exactly the next thing you said. <laughs> so you stole my next question there. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But I, I do have uh, others in mind. And uh, one of those is um, actually thinking about um, other software like WooCommerce. Um, you, you mentioned small businesses, um, small e-commerce stores. Why would a small e-commerce store choo- choose Shopify over WooCommerce? Sure. So I, I've been, uh, I, I've set up a, a number of websites, I would say a number, a handful of websites in WooCommerce over the years, none in the last, I would say three or four years. So I can't speak to its current, um, current functionality. I will say that I found the user interface as a, as someone who was setting up the store, very, very confusing, uh, using WordPress and, and WooCommerce. Uh, I think it's, you, you just need to be a little bit more advanced in, um, in your ability to understand the, sort of the WordPress ecosystem, which there may be many of, there may be many marketers and agencies listening, listening to our conversation for whom that's the case. And I think that WooCommerce would be a perfectly good option for them. But uh, I think if you're just getting started as a small business and you need a, a great e-commerce website out of the box, I think Shopify uh, is a little bit better option uh, to go. Um, they also have, a no- and WooCommerce has some of these as well, but the Shopify app ecosystem has grown to be quite large as well. And so if you need a particular thing within your checkout process, or if you need uh, something, you know, on the back end with your customer data, there's all these third party apps that plug into the Shopify uh, instance that, that may or may not be available within WordPress and WooCommerce because WordPress was not built from the ground up as an e-commerce engine. It was built as a, you know, basically as a blogging platform onto which this e-commerce plugin WooCommerce has been bolted. And I think that, you know, WordPress is awesome. Uh, I I use WordPress myself for the front end of the tidings website uh, for, you know, if you are a a local realtor or an insurance agent or a lawyer or anything like that, and you're you're just publishing content, WordPress is my go-to choice. But uh, for e-commerce particularly, I think Shopify is a better um, you know, it's a it's a, a round peg and a round hole as opposed to a square peg and a round. It's hole. Uh, funny that you mentioned that you haven't tried WooCommerce in the last three or four years. I haven't tried it in the last three or four years either. So maybe that just tells <laughs> tells the full story, perhaps as to um, it's perhaps not the the most current um, top of mind choice for um, for most. Um, small e-commerce stores or large e-commerce stores. But anyway, um, it's um, Shopify is certainly something to consider. Um, that was your choice number two. What is your choice number one? Number one, sorry to <laughs> ruin the surprise, but Google My Business, I think, is my my choice 1A. Um, and the reason is, is, is uh, there are two reasons. Number one, first of all, essentially everyone is Googling you uh, in this day and age, even if they've heard of your business from a friend or someone forwarded a newsletter from another business, um, they're probably going to look, look you up by your name. Mm. 
And the thing that shows up front and center, uh, if you have taken advantage of it, is your Google My Business profile, right? So uh, it's also called a knowledge panel for those of you who have been around uh, SEO, search engine optimization for, for a little while. But essentially this, this card with photos and, and very rich structured information like your address, uh, you know, your phone number, they will have a link to your website. It's very small because they're trying to keep you on Google for as long as possible. Uh, but photos, you know, when you're open, uh, there's a whole range of content that you can provide uh, this application that, that Google's created, Google My Business, uh, to tell them about yourself. Um, and then Google will showcase that to prospective customers who are um, looking to do, to do business with you or considering doing business with you. So that, that Google My Business profile is just incredibly visible these days, uh, certainly for brand name searches if somebody's looking you up by name, but also for uh, generic keywords. Uh, you know, so if you sell blue widgets and somebody types in, you know, blue widgets, Portland, Google, my business profiles are the things that are ranking right underneath the ads. Uh, but those, those Google, my business profiles are, are ranking above the organic results, uh, for pretty much every localized keyword. And so if you're not taking full advantage of all of the features that Google, my business has to offer, you're probably not going to get found in those searches and <clears throat> excuse me, even for brand name searches, you know, your profile is just not going to look very compelling if you're not taking advantage uh, of all of these new features. But am I right in thinking that a business has to have a local address in order to be included in Google My Business? Yes and no. Uh, you know, I think you have to have a place of business uh, that is that that people can visit. Um, you can't use a PO box, for example, but there are options for service area businesses. And even if you're something like a software company like Tidings, you can put your headquarters in Google My Business with the business category of software company. Uh, and that, that business profile will still show up uh, front and center. And any business with a physical location is eligible for a Google My Business profile. And what about if you've only got one location, but you do business nationally or even internationally? Um, will yep. you still have that knowledge panel in front of people when they search for your brand? Yep. So that's exactly the case for Tidings, just as an example. So we, you know, we have customers all over the world from uh, Australia to Mallorca, uh, and we've created a, a Google My Business profile for ourselves. Um, and if you are, if it, it may not, uh, the caveat here is it may not show up all the time when people are searching, you know, tidings in, uh, let's say Florida, uh, we're in Oregon. So, so our, our business profile may not show up for those customers, but certainly if you search for tidings, uh, here in the Portland or Oregon, uh, geographic area, our, our knowledge panel, our business profile should show up above our website or off to the side of our website. If you're on a desktop computer. Great. Great. Um, so. Something else we were talking about before we started recording was your local marketing stack. And, and I love the design that you've come up with on your website. So do, do you want to give the listener just a summary of what you've come up with there? Sure thing. So uh, yeah, the local marketing stack is, was my attempt uh, probably three or four years ago to um, try to structure, uh, as I think I mentioned, you know, I've been, I've been doing consulting for, for small businesses and, and helping them kind of get started with, with digital marketing. Uh, really my entire career, but in particular, the last uh, four or five years, I've worked with a, a nonprofit here in town called Mercy Corps Northwest, uh, as well as our city's economic development arm uh, on, on a sort of series of consultations with small business owners. Um, and I kind of found myself repeating 
the advice I would give uh, at, at a lot of these consultations. And so the local marketing stack is really uh, uh, my attempt to sort of standardize and structure the, the advice that I've given to, you know, hundreds of business owners uh, over the last decade. And um, really the idea is it's laid out, um, you know, sort of like a, a transportation map. Uh, the L- London subway uh, map is kind of my inspiration, I guess, behind the, the layout. And so uh, you read the graphic, it's, it's structured um, from bottom to top and from left to right. And so you read it uh, sort of in an up and to the right uh, uh, sort of direction. And there's, there's five lines and six zones. Um, and so you want to start at the bottom uh, in zone one with what is your name, address, phone number, right? Who are you as a mm-hmm. business? Uh, and, and basically the idea is it's my, this is my, my effort to sequence which pieces of marketing technology you should focus on at what stage of your business. And so uh, the idea here is not to skip any core elements of your marketing technology stack uh, as before you're ready for them, essentially. So, you know, uh, there's all kinds of, of uh, pretty slimy uh, marketing companies of, of all sizes uh, trying to sell you all of these advanced marketing solutions or expensive marketing solutions uh, at the top right-hand side of the graphic, like, you know, radio ads, for example, or, um, you know, programmatic mm-hmm. retargeting uh, or these kinds of things. And frankly, those don't make any sense for a business that doesn't have a mobile-friendly website that people can refer to, that doesn't have a Google My Business profile that will show up when people are searching for them, that doesn't already have a MailChimp or some other email service provider set up where they can be capturing customer emails to, um, you know, to stay in contact with them you know, beyond just that first website visit. So the idea here is that what we're really trying to say is start at the bottom, start, start with the basics, take care of each of the basics before you graduate into these more advanced, more expensive marketing technologies. I love that. Uh, the, there's there's so much to it. And there's about 60 different um, digital marketing or d- digital business um, tactics or things that you have to do in order to be successful. And um, you, you present them in a manner that, um, although there are a lot of things on there, um, it doesn't seem to overwhelm. So it's, it, it's nice for people to consume. I also like the fact that you actually include um, important offline activities such as um, For sure. trademarking, you know, accounting, bookkeeping, and things like that on there. Uh, fun, funnily enough, actually, a um, um, little personal story. I mean, I, I've got a, uh, an, an SEO background. So um, 15 years ago, I was very much about doing things like um, registering keyword phrases as domain names and building brands based upon keyword phrases. But um, I I happen to be married and I have a wife who's a trademark attorney. And so she (laughs) has has taught me about the importance of trademarking. And I I think over the last five years or so, um, through the evolvement of Google's algorithm um, and the maturing of the way that businesses conducted online, I've came to to recognize the importance of brands. And, you know, uh, uh, it's a long way of saying that I like the, the fact that you've got that in there initially, because many businesses still probably focused a little bit too much on driving traffic or um, just writing content before really thinking about the structure right. behind their business. Yeah, for sure. Well, so a couple of things I would say. Thank, first of all, thank you for uh, <laughs> for acknowledging that um, you know kind of the completeness of, of this arc. 
Um, but a couple of things I would say, first of all, um, Eric Schmidt, Google's former chairman, you know, is famously quoted as saying, brands are how you sort out the cesspool of the internet. Uh, and so I think that, get, and, and um, I think that that was maybe less true at the time that he said it way back in like 2008 than it is today. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at who does well in Google search results these days, it is companies with established brands. Mm -hmm. And I think your trademark uh, really should be a part of that. Um, you know, one of the things, one piece of advice that I give to, to these newer business owners that I consult with uh, here in Portland is, you know, do a search, search Google for the name of your business that you're, you're thinking about using. How crowded is that search result? How easy is it going to be for you to rank for that name? And if you choose something that's just a, a generic keyword uh, for your business name and for your domain name, um, it may actually be harder for you to rank for your own name uh, in these Google search results. So maybe, uh, you know, that's separate and apart from even thinking about a trademark, but uh, think about how easy or difficult it will be to, to, to show up for, even if people have heard of you, uh, to, to actually pull that traffic into your website. The second thing I would say in, in relation to offline activities, and this is really critical for uh, local businesses, essentially anyone with a really, uh, who, for whom a Google My Business profile is going to be particularly important, um, customer service really is the new foundation for marketing. Um, it, when it comes to, uh, you know, reviews, uh, and testimonials, I think that these things are now front and center, uh, on every online profile, even, even on Google ads. Now, uh, Google ads, you can, you can get these little stars, uh, based on how people are rating their purchase with you. And so if you're doing a bad job of customer service, people are going to see that every time they search for you online. Uh, and consequent, and conversely, if you're doing a great job of customer service, people are also going to see that every time they search for you online. So I think it's really, um, you know, you can no longer hide behind a, a perfectly SEO'd website if you're doing a really crappy job of actually uh, being in business. And, and uh, I have to credit my friends, my friends, I should say, Mike Blumenthal and Aaron Weike of, of Gather Up uh, for I think helping to advance this this narrative about the importance of customer service in our industry. And I think that. Um, you know, those guys are both really smart guys. They've both been around for a long time. Uh, and I think that they've got it exactly right, that, that customer service really is the foundation for a lot of successful marketing uh, in the digital era. Absolutely. Great brand, great customer service, but also great products as well. If you have an average product, I, I would go as far to say, pause your marketing, improve your product, <laughs> and then hopefully your customers will then actually start talking about you and then you can use your marketing to support what your customers are doing and not the other way around. That's right. That's right. So uh, what about yourself? What, what about tidings? Um, you've mentioned MailChimp. Um, you mentioned Google My Business and Shopify. Um, what marketing channels are you finding to be most appropriate and most successful for you at the moment? Sure thing. So uh, for us, so um, I've, as you mentioned in, in kind of the opener, uh, you know, I had had a full-time job with, with Thrive Hive for the last year and a half. I was just laid off in uh, mid-May, uh, sort of partly due to COVID, I think, but who knows? And so I'm now just back on Tidings full-time for the first time in a, in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, and I'm, I'm very grateful for this, uh, we've been kind of coming along as normal, even with my, my full-time job uh, with ThriveHive. And the way that we've done that is through content and SEO, essentially. Uh, so we haven't spent any money on uh, any kind of advertising, digital or, or uh, you know, offline. So how do you choose um, the content that you decide to write about? Sure. So 
Um, we've been one the the I would say the major piece of content that I've that I've focused on over the last uh, six to nine months has been uh, sh showcasing our customers. Uh, we've got you know hundreds of customers who are sending great newsletters every week or every month, um, and really uh, kind of dialing in what what it is that they're doing and showcasing that to other pr prospective customers via um, you know whether it's just image galleries of their newsletters with 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 uh, keywords you know related to what the kinds of things they're talking about are um, whether that's in-depth case studies uh, in the case of a lot of our agency uh, resellers you know how long is it taking them to build newsletters for their clients um, you know what what has made them successful in terms of finding content sources uh, to pull into their clients' newsletters, those kinds of things. And and frankly, I think that those pages, you know, looking at Google Analytics, I know this, that those pages with vertical examples um, of, of customers who are doing well with our product uh, that are obviously really well optimized and are, you know, pushed high enough up in our site architecture, I think that that's what's bringing new customers into, into the Tidings, uh, you know, network uh, or, or platform. Um, and then, you know, from there, we're doing our best with nurturing drip emails and, and those kinds of things. But um, I think that, you know, show, showcasing customer content, sort of like what we were just talking about uh, as it relates to local businesses not too long ago, um, I think that that's really been our, our, our biggest success, um, certainly, you know, while I've been uh, otherwise occupied with Thrive Hunt. So you, you touched on verticals. Do you attempt to um, be very industry specific with your case studies and then targets just set? prospects with those case studies yep for sure well so not set prospects necessarily i've quite frankly we don't have you know enough inbound prospects coming in where that makes uh that makes sense in terms of of time and effort but um certainly in terms of of keywords uh chosen and how the pages are are set up right so we've got and this was done you know my background is in seo and so you did some keyword research and things like you know great newsletters for lawyers and you know uh, you know, email newsletters for bed and breakfast and those kinds of keywords, th those are getting thousands of searches per month. And those are, those are ideal customers for us uh, to, to try to bring in through organic search. And so um, that's kind of the reason behind uh, verticalizing one, one primary reason. The other primary reason is there are a number of agencies, which is our sort of secondary audience for tidings that, that serve specific verticals. And in many cases they want to see, okay, well, I, you know, I, I serve home services. Let's see how these of uh, this other home service agency is using tidings. Um, and I think that that's a compelling content for them and b something that they might be uh, searching for. And I have to say, I have to give credit uh, to uh, Joel Kletke, who's a, a great uh, sort of copywriting and, and user experience um, uh, expert. He's got a sort of side business, maybe a full time business now called Case Study Buddy. And I think that he's he's really done a great job of, of helping me uh you know, see the light on, on the importance of case studies and, and customer stories. Great. Okay. Well, stepping back into marketing technology in general. So as your business grows, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? For sure. So I, I the obvious one for me is, is uh, identifying and using a, a great CRM uh, for my own company. So right now I'm basically cobbling together Google Sheets and MailChimp audiences in terms of um, the outreach I'm doing for uh, specifically for agencies. And I'd like to get that to a point where, you know, that really is tied in. I don't I've, I've used Salesforce in the past. We use Salesforce at ThriveHive. Frankly, I can't recommend it to anyone. Uh, it's so bloated and complex. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that I can't imagine a, a, a small business, especially a software business, yeah. uh, using Salesforce. But um, finding finding a great CRM for really the kind of outreach that that I'm doing and that my team is doing uh, to try to pull in more agencies and some of these larger larger volume uh, vertical folks. I think a CRM is is going to be essential for for that work to really succeed. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I have never loved Salesforce, but I think it's because I've worked for you know, smallish tech companies, and they've tried to use Salesforce, but I don't think spent enough resources on on getting it right, uh, working as, as as effectively as it can do. And you you probably need um, at least one consultant internally just just championing it and setting everything up and making sure everything's up and running as it, as it should be. Um, to For sure. in, a, in addition to possibly full-time developers, we had a full-time developer uh, who, who was a, you know, Salesforce guru uh, at Thrivehive. And I can't imagine that that's particularly cost-effective yeah. for most small exactly, businesses. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, so in terms of CRMs, um, obviously there's HubSpot CRM, a, a free tool out there. You could use, yeah. you could shift your email to Active Campaign, and maybe even use their CRM. I've heard of PipeDrive being recommended on this podcast. Is yeah. there any CRM that you've got your eye on? So one that I had investigated actually for one of my uh, small business clients, and I don't know if it was successful for her or not. I, I'll follow up with her, but Copper was one that I had seen that I thought seemed to be fairly intuitive in terms of how it was set up and and not sort of bloated with too many features the way Salesforce is. That, um, that's kind of the, the first one that I think I'll start with. I'd also come across uh, Pipedrive and, of course, familiar with HubSpot, just being in the marketing space for, for as long as I have been. Okay, great. Um, well, we've covered a lot in our conversation. We've obviously talked um, about your three um, key Martech tools that um, you're recommending, but also your local marketing tech. We've uh, stack. We've we've touched on where um, uh, I guess marketing is evolving as well. Is is there a one key takeaway from the conversation that we've had that you think that um, the listener should think about a little bit more and perhaps um, try and implement sure. in their business? Yeah. So uh, one of the first things that we talked about, I, I think, is applicable um, pretty much no matter the size of business that you are. Um, and, and that's to do your diligence when you're when you're choosing a marketing tool and make sure that it it's not a walled garden. Make sure that it does play nicely with a lot of other services because digital marketing and you know really everything digital is evolving so quickly that I don't think any one tool will be able to keep up with with the pace uh, as well as a suite of uh, you know purpose-built tools will be able to do. And so I think if you, uh, you know, if you can put together a, a bundle of marketing technologies that talks really well uh, to each other, I think that that's, that's going to set you up, uh, I think, the best for, for long-term success. Great. Yeah, it certainly sounds like the, the ideal thing to do is to select your optimum 6 to 12 or something like that tools that specialize in different areas that you can use to hopefully deliver world-class software in uncertain areas of your business. Um, there are some very specialist businesses that may be able to get away with using just, just one big app or one piece of software. Um, right. But uh, I, I guess in general, you, you need to find the software that um, delivers each piece of functionality as effectively as possible. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you so much for your time and your tips today. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? 
For sure. Yeah, you can go on tidings.com, uh, check out our about page there. Uh, I'm, I'm also on Twitter at David Mim, uh, or you can email me dm at tidings.com. That comes right to me. Wonderful stuff. Thank you again. All right. Thanks, David. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus, check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know, and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show, or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again. <laughs>